the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Hi, family. Ron Geyer, End Time Insights. As always, thanks. We appreciate you listening. Somebody actually sent me an email the other day saying that they listen. <laughs> I think that's nine that I know. Praise the Lord. We're growing. Hallelujah. Today, I want to talk about recognizing God in America today. Uh, what is it? America, America, God shed his grace on thee. And yes, and I grew up, it was, just a, it was a pretty good America back then compared to where it is today, even though it was times of the uh, the Cold War, we did air raid drills in school and everything, but that was kind of far, and I was young. I don't think I thought about that too much, but it was a good time in America. We were still the land that was blessed of God, and you saw God in the blessings, and that's changed today, and if you don't know, we're under a time of judgment right now. You're not going to recognize God. You're just going to be looking for blessings that may not be there because we've not been very good, to be honest, and We've drifted away from God, we've rejected God, and now we've taken the next step. We're trying to remove him. I don't know how many of you saw the Black Lives Matter uh, terrorist group burning Bibles in Portland. You know, what has that got to do with the death of the man that was killed by the police officer? That's just outright demonic behavior, and that will reveal to you what these people are all about. You want to be wise. You know, don't judge me by my words, judge me by my actions. Anne Graham Lotz, I believe that was the daughter of Billy Graham, she says this, and she goes, if God doesn't judge America, then he owes Sodom and Gomorrah an apology. No kidding. We have really messed up. We are sinning. I'll never, ever, ever understand the abortion. I'll just never understand that. It's just a demonic, uh, pagan thing that we're doing, and I don't know how much of that is related. You know, remember when Herod, uh, Jesus was coming, and Herod... I guess he knew that or Satan knew it or somebody knew it, but he was killing all the children and he killed all the babies under two years old. He did that to prevent the Messiah being born. And I've always thought that, you know, the devil, he knows stuff, but he doesn't know everything. And I I believe that he thinks perhaps Christ may return in the same way, being born again through a woman's womb. And that's probably why in my thoughts that he has abortion thinking that, well, that's how it came the first time, and we're just going to make sure that we kill as many babies as possible. Maybe we'll catch the Messiah. That's just a thought that I've had. I'm sure it's wrong, but I thought I'd share that. (laughs) Okay, I want to talk to you about recognizing God in today's America. You know, and here's a danger that we need to be aware of. Back in the days when I was growing up, I was telling you, we were blessed as a nation. We're no longer blessed like that. There's too much uh, rampant sin, homosexuality, abortion, murders, violence, lawlessness, just way too much rampant sin. And so if you're going to recognize God, if you're going to see God, you're going to find him in his judgments. That's the point I want to make. 
that whereas we could see him all over in the blessings that he gave America, those blessings are pretty much worn out. We've rejected God. We're trying to remove him. So you're going to have to see him when he judges us. And the judgment is to get us back on the right track, not to condemn us, but to correct us. And I want to show you that Jesus, he went to hell and paid the penalty for all sin. You know, much has been made about whether the God of love and grace still punishes people and nations for their sins. And, well, if he didn't, there would be no judgments. But he does punish nations. He does punish people for their sin. As a Christian, I repent. I go before God. I'm washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And my fellowship is restored because I I repent. And there are some disputes about if you have to repent again. You know, they say you repent once and that's it for every sin. And yet you got to understand our fellowship in Christ is broken when we sin. The sin can't stand in the presence of God and you need to apply the blood and get clean every time. First Corinthians 15, three, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. It was prophesied that Christ was going to die for our sins. He did die for our sins and it's recorded in the New Testament as well. Second Corinthians 5.21 For God has made him, Christ, to be sin for us, Christ who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So Christ has changed places with us. He took upon our sin. He went to hell. He paid the penalty for that sin. He never sinned. Satan violated the terms of his contract. He was not allowed to kill the Messiah. If he had known, he never would have crucified the King of Glory. And so now because of that, those of us who recognize Christ took our place, we repent of our sins, we receive the Holy Spirit of God, he lives inside us, he baptizes us, not in water, but in the Holy Spirit of God, we are new creatures in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. The point I'm trying to make, we are not like the Jew, we are born again, we have the Holy Spirit of God inside of us, our sins have been washed. Because that's what people are going to say when they say, well, then God doesn't judge us because of that. And that is not true. God still judges us. It's just not the eternal judgment of condemnation. And the good news is we don't have to go before the high priest once a year like the Jews did. We straight up, up close and personal, we go before God. We can receive instantaneous forgiveness and washing for our sins. It's indisputable that Christ died for everybody. Thank God. That's a foundational truth in Christianity. It's basically Bible 101. But then, you know, we've built on that, the fact that Christ died for our sins, for all sins, for all people. We built on that things that weren't quite uh, quite true. We built upon that and we created some strange doctrines that accommodate our revised picture of who God the Father is. We have stretched that out to mean that because Christ died for our sins, all of our sins, the sins before he died and the sins after he died, all of those sins have been paid for. We've stretched that out to mean that Therefore, we don't need to repent, but only one time. We have taught that to mean that sin can no longer harm us, that there are no more repercussions for leading a sinful life. Grace and the hyper-grace message has changed the effect of sin upon the believer. Truth be told, Jesus didn't change scripture, and he didn't do away with the law or the Old Testament that God gave to the Jews. He fulfilled the law. The scriptures about sin, they still remain today, and they remain just as true as they were then as they are now. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. 
You got to understand, uh, sin still has the power to kill us. You must understand that. If you continually sin, you will die. If you continually drink, eventually you're going to kill your liver and you're going to die an early death. If you continue to do drugs, if you have a sexually promiscuous life, you will be attacked with all sorts of diseases. I mean, you cannot violate God's word. You cannot reject the God that loves you and made provision for your sin and live according to your own will. You cannot do that without dying, and eventually you will die, and you will spend eternity apart from the Father and the family of God. Sin still has the power to kill us. What Christ has done is he has removed the power of sin over us. I don't have to sin. If I do sin, I have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus. But if I continue the sin without ever repenting, that sin still has power to kill me. The point is, though, Jesus has removed the power of sin over me. He's filled me with the Holy Spirit of God. He's broken the curse of sin and death. I am a new creature. And that is the point about sin. But if we continue to tell people that it's okay to sin, if we continue to let people think that they don't need to repent when they do sin, if we continue to let people think that they can break their fellowship with God and live a life that's holy and pleasing and bear the benefit of the blessings without putting ourselves under the curses as described in Deuteronomy, that would be false. And that's where we are right now. America has turned its back on God. We've rejected him. We are removing him from our society. And that's sin. And therefore, God can no longer bless us. Like Anne Graham Lott said, if God didn't judge sin in America, then he owes Sodom and Gomorrah an apology. Well, the bad news is, actually, it's good news. God is judging sin in America with judgments that we're getting upon us. And we need to pay attention to these because that's the whole idea behind him giving us those judgments to get our attention. Normally, when nations sin or as people sin or a group of people, a culture sins, the process is the same as in the Old Testament. God sends warnings. He sends prophets. He sends plagues. He sends calamity and disaster to get our attention so he can correct us and get us back on course, get us back on the straight and narrow. But even in my word of faith, I was born again in the word of faith movement in 1981 and We believed all the good stuff about God, but we seemed to have painted a picture that neglected to tell us that there's a flip side of the coin that we call God, that we get blessed when we do good, but we still get punished when we do bad. Grace does not remove that. All grace is is the opportunity for me to live a life second by second, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, month by month, year by year, decade after decade, century after century, for eternity in close intimacy with God the Father. That is his plan. But sin breaks that fellowship. And it's so important that we get clean to keep that fellowship. And when we as a nation corporately don't do anything about abortion, when we don't do anything about homosexuality, you know, it's not even neutrality. It's not like we're just ignoring the things. We're actually promoting it. We're funding it. We are accepting it. They've got us pushed into a corner where we let them that we go ahead and we assign them rights that we assign to heterosexual couples. We go ahead and we let them sell the body parts of our children. I mean, this is an abomination to God. I agree with Ann Graham lots. So when a nation sins, God sends those warning to us and he wants to get us back on course. It's not because he hates us. It's because he loves us. The Bible says God hates all workers of iniquity, but we can fix that by getting saved and giving our hearts over to Christ and getting washed and repent of our sins. But at the end of the day, God's goal is that no one perish, but that all come to repentance. And it's important that we recognize the way that God does that. So 
He does it also through personal goodness. You know, President Trump was the goodness of God. We could have gotten someone like Hillary Clinton. We probably at this point, after three and a half years of Hillary Clinton, we would be a totally socialist nation. We would have lost the right to read our Bibles. We definitely would have been a lost the right to assemble in churches. I mean, this pandemic under an ungodly leader. Just think about that. There was no restraining sin. And if we had had someone that wasn't hearing from God, wasn't being used of God, wasn't representing righteousness or God's goodness, we would be in a whole lot worse trouble than we are right now. President Trump is a manifestation of the goodness of God. But remember that God doesn't send his goodness to reward us. God doesn't send his goodness to bless us. God sends his goodness to lead us to repentance. That's the whole idea. Sometimes you get blessed and that's a reward for doing good stuff. That's just a natural spiritual progress, progression of doing what God's told you to do. But when we don't do what God does, that doesn't mean he has to punish us all the time. And he doesn't. Sometimes he says, I'm going to send my goodness. I'm going to let you know that I love you, but I got to get you back on track. When we don't receive that goodness as a gift from God to cause us to repent, then he's got to go another route with prophets and he's got to go ahead and send remedial judgments and judgments. And we have got to respond to that, folks, because if we don't, the only thing left is wrath and there's no return from the wrath of God. The problem is in today's church in America, we only pick out the sweet spots of how God reveals himself to us. Yes, we preach God lives to bless us. Yes, God is good all the time. Yes, God's thoughts toward us are only good. And those are scriptures. We teach God not based on revelation from scripture, though. But we tell the church and the world about God from our human understanding. As we continue to harden our hearts and our ears towards God's warning, his voice and his word, we become more carnal and less in tune with the spirit. Till eventually, most Christians can't tell the difference between a move of God and a counterfeit move of Satan. That leads me into speaking about God's judgments on nations. A foundation scripture. I love this scripture. It is so wonderful. It's uh, Isaiah 26, verse 9, I read it very often. Let me read it again. With my soul have I desired thee in the night, wrote Isaiah. Yea, with my spirit within me, I will seek thee early, Lord. For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn what righteousness is. They will learn what right living with God looks like. Because of God's judgments, Isaiah writes, it is so important that when these judgments are in the world, we tell them the church, we tell people, the church has this knowledge, we tell the world that God's judging our nation because of the sin. We point it out and many will repent. That's how God set it up. That's the plan of God. But it doesn't always work out that way. And then worse and worse judgments come upon the land. Many of you think that Satan sent 911. Many of you think Satan sent Katrina. Many of you think Satan sent the California wildfires. Many of you think that this virus is from the devil. And yet, let me give you some scriptures to show you where God takes credit for some of the evil that he sends upon Israel to get their attention. Amos chapter 3 verse 6. Shall a trumpet be blown in the city? That's a, a trumpet of warning. Shall a trumpet of warning be blown in the city and the people not be afraid? Shall there be evil in a city, and the Lord hath not done it. Amos is writing, saying that, hey, God is sending a trumpet, and he wants to get your attention, and yes, you should be scared, because judgment's about to come, and God is the one that's sending the evil or the disaster to you. Ezekiel 5, verses 16 and 17, when I, this is God, when I shall send upon Israel them 
famine, the evil arrows of famine, when I shall send upon them the evil arrows of famine, which shall be for their destruction, and which I will send to destroy you, Israel, and I will increase the famine upon you, and I will break your staff of bread, your provision. Verse 17, so will I send upon you famine and evil beasts, and they shall bereave thee, and pestilence and blood shall pass through thee, and I will bring the sword upon thee. I, the Lord, have spoken it. Now, that's pretty simple. I mean, you don't need anybody to interpret that for you. Basically, God is fed up, and he says, I'm going to send a famine in the land. And not only am I going to send a famine in the land, and this is past warning. He's done all his warning. They've rejected him even in the midst of his warnings. Now he is declaring and decreeing what's about to happen. Normally, when you get a warning from God, you have the opportunity to repent and stave off the judgment. Not so here. He is done with them, and he said, this is what's happening to you because you've rejected my warnings. And America needs to be so careful. We are rejecting the warnings of God. When I shall send upon you evil arrows of famine. God is going to starve them. And he says, it shall be for your destruction and I will send to destroy you. God is going to destroy them. Thousands, tens of thousands of children of Israel, children of Israel. These are God's children too. Just like we are children of God, Israel, they are children of God. Also, they have the child, son, daughter to God relationship that we, the church have. God is going to destroy them by the tens of thousands. So will I send upon you famine. I will bring the sword upon you. Sword represents judgment. And God is doing this because you've ignored me. You've rejected me. Uh, Here I am. He's shouting to us. He's calling to us. He loves us. And yet we keep turning our back on him. Well, you know, if God didn't intervene here with his judgments, strict, very harsh judgments, if God didn't intervene here, we would wipe ourselves out. We would annihilate ourselves. And this is pretty clear. God uses both Amos and Ezekiel to tell the Jews that they have unrepented sin and it's going to cost them something. Here, it's going to cost them their families, their lives. I mean, this is some nasty stuff. And people say, well, that's not the good news of the New Testament anymore. I don't get this. I don't get it at all. Let me explain. If there's a hole in the road, I'm driving my car, I'm tooling down the road. It's maybe 10 o'clock at night. It's dark out. If there's a hole in the road that's ahead of me, I want to be warned. I want someone to tell me. Someone not warning me, that's not good news. But someone warning me is good news indeed. And yet, we refuse God's warnings. God has warning signs all up through the Bible. He's got them in the Old Testament. He's got them in the New Testament. We say it's the devil who does this, that destroys. Well, it was not the devil that destroyed those people that Amos and Ezekiel were writing to. It was not the devil that sent the flood that killed everybody but eight people in the time when God uh, wiped out mankind during the days of Noah. That wasn't the devil. That was God. And he said, I did it. We have got to recognize the Bible God that we are supposed to be teaching is not the same God that we are teaching right now. We're teaching a God that doesn't hold anybody to account for their sin. It's okay. It's okay. We pat him on the back. Come on in. Nobody's going to yell at you. We're preaching about a God that has given us grace where our sins don't have any power to cause judgments to come upon our lives. We're preaching a God that we think winks at us, that doesn't notice the fact that we're killing our children, 60 million children in America alone. You think God doesn't see that? Hello? This is so important that this aspect of God gets preached. You know, I talk about a coin that only has 
something minted on one side of it. And I could tell you how good God is to us. I could tell you he's so good he sent Jesus. I could tell you that your sins are under the blood. I could tell you his hope for you is to give you a home and a, and a future. I could tell you that he only loves you. I could tell you that he's got great plans for you. That is true. And that's one side of the coin. But until we mint the other side of the coin, that coin has no value. You can't spend it. You can't buy anything with it. And the other side of that coin is God will not put up with your sin. It is that simple. Yes, Jesus Christ paid the penalty for the sin, but you're still sinning. And those sins need to be brought underneath the blood of Christ. If we continue to sin as a nation, that has national consequences to it. And God destroyed Israel. Why do you think he put that in the Old Testament? It's a warning to us who are living today. And let me say this. Out of all the nations in the earth, I don't know, 150, 250, maybe there's been 500. I have no idea. Out of all the nations in the earth, America and Israel stand alone. We are God's favorite nations. He has blessed both with inexplainable, unexplainable, inexhaustible blessings because it was his plan to do so. And yet when we respond negatively, when we ignore him, when we spit in his face, when we say we don't want your word in our lives, when we tell him we are not going to obey your word, when we forget who he is, there is a penalty to be paid that grace did not fix. You must understand that. Yet we refuse God's warnings. We say it's the devil doing this. That's a problem. A Bible is church, not just the saints, but the leaders as well, remaking God into a sugar daddy that they want. There's no accountability. There's no discerning right from wrong. There's no punishment, no rebuke, no judgment. If we fail to recognize God's warnings when they come, this will happen to us. And please don't give me that new age, secret friendly, emergent church cop out, which says that, oh, that's all Old Testament. We're under grace. He doesn't punish anymore. Grace doesn't change who God is. It changes who you can be. And truth be told, some of these punishments upon Israel get worse. Let me read you Ezekiel 9, 46. I'll try to get done with this and we can close here. And the Lord said, this is Ezekiel talking to Israel and God is talking to Ezekiel. And the Lord said unto Ezekiel, go through the middle of the city, through the middle of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for all the abomination that be done in the midst thereof. Just like there are people in Israel that were crying and interceding and begging God for mercy and calling out the people to repent and stop of their sin, there's people in America doing the same thing. And God told Ezekiel, go ahead and set a mark on their foreheads. I believe God is marking the people of God here in America today who are bended knee, hearts breaking, tears flowing down their face as they cry for our nation. Verse 5, and to the others he said that were in my hearing, go after him through the city and smite. And let not your eyes spare, neither have ye pity. Slay utterly the old and the young, both maids and little children and women. But come not near any man upon whom is the mark, and begin at my sanctuary. Then they began at the ancient men which were before the house of the Lord. In Ezekiel 9, 4 through 6, God is judging Israel. He's judging Jerusalem. And he says, I want you to mark the people that are praying, the people that are interceding for this city, the people that recognize what they're doing, that they have offended me, they have neglected me, They've forgotten me. He goes, I want you to mark those people and I want you to keep them safe because I'm sending out six other men and I'm assigning them to slay utterly old and young, maids and children and women. But don't come near any man who's praying for the nation. 
I don't know how that applies so much to us in America today, but I can tell you this, thus saith the Lord, I will mark those people that are praying. I will mark those people that are seeking me. I will mark those people that are living a holy life, and they will lead many to righteousness, saith the Lord. And God is going to protect them, and he's going to keep them, and he's going to use them, and we're going to bear much fruit for the kingdom of God, and that fruit's going to remain. Pay attention here. When we continue to ignore God's warning and judgment comes, and it begins with the church, that's over there. He said, start outside of the gates right there. Judgment begins at the house of God. The church is being purified. My friend Monique pointed it out to me. I agree with her 100%. She's absolutely right. Thank God that you can be marked for God, that you can have an understanding that our nation's sins are destroying our nation, and that you can intercede, you can stand in the gap for this nation. You need to do it. God will save you from the slaughter. I use this scripture to stir you up. I use this scripture to get you to pray for our nation. I use that scripture to solicit you, to help us. We need you as a body standing in the gap for our nation. We need you praying. We need you telling the truth. There's going to be blows. There's going to be pressure. There's going to be persecution. But to become an intercessor in your church today, there's no higher calling, in my opinion. To join in your church, to pray and protect your pastor, to fight for your pastor, to fight for the congregants, to fight for your brothers and sisters, to keep them from going the way of flesh, to keep them from falling into the apostasy. That's the assignment that we need to undertake today. And we need to do it boldly. We need to do it faithfully. We need to do it day in and day out. That's the calling of God upon us now. I want to be marked by a God who knows me as someone that is a heart for holiness and it causes me to pray. I hope that's you too. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net.